Hi everyone, it's Jack from The Pod here. Um, just a quick note to let you know that, you know, this pod is for entertainment purposes, you know, and these are these are our opinions. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just here to have some fun and hopefully, you know, provide some insight. So don't take this too seriously. Um, and please keep that in mind when you're listening. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. From the back seat. This is Hugh speaking, and today I have a very special guest. It's not Jack. He's been dropped, and I've got the good friend of the pod, Joseph Doherty. How are you? I'm very good, Hugh. I'm very good. Proud to be a friend of the pod today. Mate, you're the closest friend of the pod, so it's an honour to have you here too. Uh, I wish it was a better week for Chelsea that you could <laughs> be joining us. Um, so I'm sure you've got a lot to say about that. Um, but how is life in Copenhagen? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. The sun is out. Chelsea is not winning, but uh, everything, everything <laughs> it's great is for good, me, my friend. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. Five on the bounce. <laughs> who, who can complain about that? But um, oh, very good. Yeah, from here, here from Denmark. Football is big in Denmark, um, especially Premier League. I've just been with a few Leeds fans today. Danish oh, sweet. Leeds fans. Uh, but I also have Danish to say a big shout out to uh, Brøndby FC. Oh really? Who are Talk the, to me. The big favourites over here. They've got a sixteen-year-old kid. Don't know his name, but he scores bang goals. <laughs> and uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. The guys over here are getting me into it. So uh, shout out to the Brumby fans. Mate, I know sweet. they're listening today. So uh, yes, Mate, we'll always take some Scandinavian listeners. So if you can bring even two listeners from Denmark, then this is happy days for the pod. We're really, <laughs> we're really going places. <laughs> happy days. But um, but yes, Chelsea. Being a Chelsea fan right now is. Uh, it's good and bad. Yeah, Positives I'm being very keen, very keen to get your thoughts on kind of Chelsea as a whole since since Daddy Todd took over and took it out of Roman's hands. I think, yeah, we'll definitely deep dive into Chelsea, but let's go through the game first. Just to be clear, guys, this is game week five, I believe. Game week review five. So as always, prepare for a four hour epic. Um, hopefully try and keep it under two hours this time but you never know <laughs> but of course in honour of Joseph our Chelsea expert we are going to start with Southampton versus Chelsea mm. down at St Mary's Joseph take it away <laughs> uh, thank you Hugh um, rather disappointing result to be honest uh, mm. but there are some positives for Chelsea fans from uh, the transfer window a lot of negatives for Chelsea fans from the match I mean I have to be honest this is the first game that I've seen where we didn't seem to show the same effort we normally show in our yeah, games. I'll agree with that. Very disappointing from a couple of players. Really, the only shining light really was the new signings who played. Mm. I think Koulibaly really gave his best effort. Sterling with the goal showing that perhaps perhaps he can be the new Edding Hazard. Hands up. I said big it shout. first. It's uh, a big shout. It's a hot take, but we're all here for hot takes. Serious hot take. But um, first time that I've seen a man play off the back line like that since Edding. Um, Fair. And Kukurea, you know, God bless him, he really tried his best to keep that defence together. But I saw some very poor performances out there. Jorginho mm. being one of them. I, mm. I've got to say, I, I like Jorginho. I know he gets a lot of criticism from the Chelsea fans. I do like him. He is very tactical, but he is slow. And he cannot win a ball if you're up against a very physical Southampton, which it seems they've turned into. So I, I have to say big, big, big congratulations to the Southampton fans out there. And to the team. 
Yeah, no, really I thought well. Southampton played really well. I mean, I was looking at Southampton because I, re- I said in the first pod, I said they're definitely going to go down and one of the candidates to go down ahead of maybe Forest or mm. another team that's come up. But <laughs> um, they're looking really good. You know, they before are. we dive into Chelsea, I think they've got a young team. They've made a lot of young signings, which is maybe a risk. But that Lavia fella, for example, who scored Four. the second goal, he's looking good, isn't he? What a goal. He's looking what a yeah, goal. Yeah, it was a good goal. But <laughs> actually, big props to uh, Big Ralph, I must say. When <laughs> big, Ralph. Uh, big Ralph, Daddy Ralph, I must say, I, I was uh, probably one of the first to say it to Chelsea fans when we were looking for a new manager, uh, when Tuchel came in. I was saying we could do a lot worse than Ralph Hasenhutl. He's Ooh, a very good manager. Interesting. He plays an attacking style of play. We had a few good attacking players at that time, being Timo, Havertz, Mount. I think they could have fit in really well to a four-two-three-one that he would set up. Um, yeah. And I like him as a guy. He seems very honest with his approach, and uh, he does create exciting football. Uh, add to that a, a brand new Southampton team, all taken from the best academies around the world. Or mainly, yeah. mainly Man City. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird going on this summer for sure. Something's going on there, but they they seem to have bought some very good players. Um, I as, agree. As you say, one of them being their new boy, Lavia. He, he looks proper, proper player. Yeah, um, young as well. They're also the the Bellum Kotchap geezer. <laughs> yeah, Bellum Kotchap looks very good. Very good. He's only twenty, and he is massive. Hmm. He is huge. Um, and I watched him against Man U, fair enough, they didn't win that game. But the way he was shepherding the forwards off the ball, it was a continuation of that, really. It's surprising um, to see, actually, because normally you think of Southampton, you think of quite a slight side, quite yeah. technical, very Easy fast space. on the counter, but not muscly, not, not ferocious. No, I completely agree. I agree. I think physicality is becoming more and more of a necessary kind of attribute to teams. Like the, the, the post-hybrid Arsenal team of like Cazorla and Podolski and... You know, a very, very slight team. They just wouldn't hack it in this day and age of the Prem. Like. But big, big hot take as well. I mean, you look at Southampton and the way that they operate. They've done the same model for the last couple of years where they mm. buy youngsters, buy them cheap, sell them high. Yeah. They, yeah. They've done it consistently. They seem to have sold quite a lot of their players recently. And they seem to be doing it again where they're buying in young players. Look at the uh, Livramento they bought from us. Great signing. Other, Great signing. Last season. Brilliant yep. signing. You look at Walker Peters, they bought him a few seasons ago. Looked great yesterday. Awesome great signing. Yesterday. Yeah. And then these new boys are coming in. And, you know, I know that Man City has some buyback clauses on most of them, but they, they could be this new generation of Southampton signings. I that, completely agree. I completely yeah, agree. But, you know, you, always the question comes, and actually it seems like this lead time between uh, buying a young player and selling them on seems to get sort, shorter and shorter every season. But, you know, he... he this could be the next team if Man City don't activate those buyback clauses where Southampton keep that revenue machine going and going and going and going. I mean, that's probably got to be the main aim, isn't it? For, mm. for Southampton. You're not going to compete for major trophies. You're hardly going to compete for Europe. So that's the next best thing. It's just longevity and continuity in what they've been doing. It's but anyway, true. enough about Southampton because, Joseph, this is not why you were brought onto the pod. Let's get into the main bit. Where the do you want to start? Now, what I noticed is... Mount is looking off it. Without Reese James, it's like it's like a it's like a gaping hole on that right hand side. Like mm. it's a very strange system at Chelsea, mate. I have to say, like we've said, Reese James is maybe your most dangerous player attacking, but it just that shouldn't be the case. But why? What do you? I mean, I certainly don't know why. But what? Why? Why? What? How has this happened? I think that so 
for this game in particular. So let's look at Tottenham, for example. We played Tottenham off the park. Yeah, if we agreed. played the same as we did against Tottenham in this game, they, they wouldn't have been able to hack us. This game in particular, seems like Tommy is trying to go to four at the back this season. That's why we're buying four Fana. That's why we've bought Koulibaly. Rhys James All and Ben right. Chilwell filling in those, those uh, left-back and right-back roles. But, you know, the question is, we've got so much transition going on in the club at the moment. We've got transitions in terms of the owners, in terms of the management, in terms of the new transfers we're bringing in. I mean, we've brought in eight players-ish, I think, around about. And now we're, yeah. we're, we're looking at transitioning into four at the back when we've been so sex- successful with our, our, our system at the moment. And I know Tommy will say, well, look, it's four at the back when we attack, it's three at the back when we defend. But it seemed like they were going consistent four, three, three in this game. And uh, I've got to be honest, with the, mid- with the midfielders we had uh, in the bunch, they couldn't hack Southampton. They couldn't hack the, mm. the muscle. They couldn't hack the ferociousness, they couldn't hack the tenacity. Southampton were winning all the balls and then they were going back into Southampton. But I, I think that too much transition, too much change is going to impact this side in a very bad way. It could be okay in six months, but does Tommy have six months if he it's starts losing way. games? You know, it's going that way. But I'll be the first to, to back Tommy. He, he's fantastic, fantastic manager. Won us a Champions League. You can't ever doubt that. I mean... R.I.P. Roberto no. Di Matteo after he got sacked straight away, but Tommy's a different class, <laughs> you know. And I he, agree. He has been absolutely fantastic during the time that Roman's been leaving, uh, and to- uh, Todd's been coming in. He's been back in the ownership. He's been back in the club. He's been suggesting new contracts. See, I've read this, and this is what mm. I wanted to talk to you about: is in light of the last couple of weeks since that news broke that they were thinking about extending the contracts. I mean. In my view, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd say maybe just hold on and see how he does this year. Because he's had significant backing. You know, He has got a lot of credit in the bank with the Champions League win. There's no denying that. But the pre-season was prickly at best, mm-hmm. I have to say. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the most positive pre-season from Tommy Tuchel. Now, he's got the players after a, a little bit of whinging in the summer. When you spend over £200 million, you're going to get criticised. The, the pressure is on. on. However, however, and this is where the... You know, I have to add a bit of context to this. If you look at the deal that we signed, or we signed, I'm talking about me as in Daddy Todd and me as his son. <laughs> if you look at the deal that um, Todd Bailey uh, and Clear Lake Capital signed with Chelsea, they signed uh, a deal which was 2.5 billion for the purchase of the club and 1.25 billion for uh, investment over the next 10 years. That okay, equates to over 100 million a year. And they did say that they were going to invest in a new stadium as well, which, let's say, is probably about half of that overall value. So, you know, that the commitment has been there to invest. Todd is obviously going in on that. That's a minimum commitment, by the way. It doesn't mean they can't invest more. And if you look at his background with the Dodgers, where they the, the Guggenheim group, which he's part of, built, bought the Dodgers, they um, invested significantly, not only in the playing squad, but in the stadium, in the mm. infrastructure, to create a better commercial model for the club, but uh, also to make a, a title-winning team, which eventually they succeeded in. So this is not completely out of the blue from this ownership, especially when they believe that this club can be worth 10 to 15 billion after investment once the maturity cycle's over. 
So mm. I don't think it's silly money that he's throwing around. I hear that he's very uh, much in favour of keeping consistency at the clubs that he buys. Ego, I'm starting to turn into an American now. Ego, however they say, <laughs> uh, keeping keeping Careful. a manager in place that, that has a long term strategy. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's really difficult to say right now. And this is the the kind of other question that I wanted to pose to you who, about the the strategy here and what you think because it seems like the the new owners have just come in. They've got a lot of holes to fix with leaving players with players that wanted to leave like Werner as well. Uh, yeah. Marcus Alonso as well Lukaku. as having Lukaku as well as having holes in the squad already so they had to buy and they had to buy quick but they've come in yeah. without any transfer strategy given that they don't have the time to appoint a sporting director apart from mm. Big Daddy Todd himself so I think there's going to be more time given to Tommy given the fact that we are we have a brand new strategy here and That's true. it may That's take longer point. than one season to implement but at the same time, that doesn't excuse the guys on the pitch from putting in a display like they did at Southampton. Um, yeah, I yeah. agree. There has to be a certain level of accountability for those Chelsea players. and I mean, Mount sums it up the most. I mean, there was a time a couple of years ago, pre-Champions League win, where Mount would be... Yeah, you know, he might not get the assist or the goal, but he'd get the pre-assist or he'd be the impetus in order for Chelsea to go and get the goal and get the win. Yeah. You know, he was a golden boy. and he's, he, Honestly, this season, he's been anonymous. Um and I love Mount. Everyone loves Mount in this country, even though he's a Chelsea boy. He's one of those kind of <laughs> universally loved Chelsea players. Mm. Um, but he just looks a bit off the boil, and the whole attack it just seems seems a bit tired. All the systems not built correctly. Um, I, I think maybe it. Mount just needs to come on the pod. Oh, mate, Mason, if you're listening, bro, if you're listening, mate, I would love it. I'd love it. He needs to get some good advice for some good people. <laughs> that's it Mason if you need any counsel about your recent performances you know where to find us my friend you exactly but um, but new signings wise I mean there's there's a couple of things I just wanted to get out of my head during this thing because uh, being on the pod <laughs> go on mate lay it off this I've is got the platform I've got the platform to speak <laughs> my mind but we we have done very interesting things in the transfer window we brought your old boy Bamiyang back in I don't care mate. if he's late he can be late as he wants as long I'm as he scores sure goals I'm just we got, not sure about that one. I'm not sure either, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> we we have um, we have some new guys coming in. Koulibaly looks like a monster. Yeah. Uh, Kukurea looks like he puts in the yards. Mm-hmm. Sterling, as I said, RIP. Bring back Havertz. Get get Sterling in. Sterling needs the new Havertz. I'm going to just start calling him Havertz now because he, he is. He, I think he'll bang goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition to that. We brought in four or five really good-looking young players from the from the the youth academies, which um, we may say we spend a bit too much money on them. But you got the Chukwu maker from uh, from Aston Villa, looks really good. Um, we brought in a guy from Inter Milan who scored seventeen goals last season from midfield. Most Can't of them, argue with that. Most of them with his head, mind you. That's strange. That's a, an anomaly, surely. He's a heading master. What did we say about physicality? Physicality. He's quite slight as well. I don't know. He's quite a slight geezer. He's got the build of habits. But um, (laughs) but he seems to score a lot of goals with his head. Right place, right time. Um, 17 is a crazy amount. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and we've got uh, got one guy from you, Richards, who looks pretty good. And And you actually signed Zakaria on loan from Juventus yesterday, randomly. Which is really annoying because Arsenal definitely needed a midfielder. And you've just gone in with two hours to go and just bang that one out. So... Got to be honest, I was hoping for the Ajax midfielder, 
Alvarez from uh, the Mexican international. Edson Alvarez, is it? Mm-hmm. He, he looks like a proper battler. But, um, oh, that would have been a summer window, that. I, I watched Azaria a lot for Mocking Gladback, and he looked very good. I, I ask questions of why Juventus want to get rid of him after half a season. But, um, oh, there's always some dodgy accounting with them, though. I don't think it's the mark <laughs> of a bad player. I think... Um, I think he's just cover, isn't he? Because you're in a bit of a sticky place in midfield at this very current time going into the World Cup and there's a lot of games coming. So I think teams are just patting themselves up a little bit because it is going to be a stranger season than most. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for the game overall, I would say I'm, I'm rather disappointed in the result. But um, overall, I think this season, this is, this is going to be the time where the ride or die fans come into play. And you either ride or die for Tommy or mm. you, you, you start uh, wiltering like a shrinking violet. And uh, I've got no time for you guys who will to. <laughs> True Chelsea fan here, right, guys? Um, so basically what you're saying is disappointing result, but in the long term, still feeling very positive about the whole thing. I do. And back to my previous comment, I just think, Tommy, if you're listening, I think stay at five at the back for now. Just keep it going. Keep some keep consistency going. Keep your job. And then, <laughs> you know, we can build next season. Yeah, I mean, he's not in danger anytime soon, but these kind of losses, the Leeds and Southampton, they are alarming. They are alarming, but I'll tell you what they're not as alarming as, and that is a 6 nil thrashing. So let's move on to City Forest. Now, I've been saying it every week, but it's happened again. Erling Haaland, two hat-tricks in a week. (laughs) If you could sum up Erling Haaland in three words, my friends. Just big fucking machine. I don't know, man. It's just... He's making a mockery of all the doubters. Do you know what I mean? Like... All these people are like, oh, the Prem's the most physical in the world. You know, he might not adjust. We've seen it plenty of times. He's making a mockery of that. Five goals, nine games. No, other way around. Five games, nine goals. What What do we do? What He's can you say, really? What can you say? You. There were people at the start of the season saying, Pep with a, a big striker. Will it, will it mean his <laughs> system is, is taken out? You know, oh, he... He, Pep needs small technical players in all positions. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he, needs, <laughs> he needs goals. He needs goals, and he's got goals with Haaland. There's no doubt about that, yeah, my friend. No doubt at all. He is. He, I don't know if you you saw the whole game, but he just got into every position. He bullied. He he maximised opportunities. He got into that what uh, Gary Lineker claimed on match of the day as the uh, position of maximum scoring opportunity oh yeah what did he abbreviate that as I can't like a poms or something no it wasn't poms something like that yeah something but he, like he, that. you know he, he just has both the brain and the body yeah to make this yeah. work for him that's uh, a very key point you know because one thing that I noticed before was the physicality but you're right it's the actual like awareness of being a striker kind of the positional sense to where to be at the right time he's got that hasn't he mm. you know like he's just always in the right place to get those tappings and that's not by luck it's not by, it's by absolute design absolute bundles but uh, also what do you think of the uh, the new big man little man partnership that they what, got with Alvarez with Alvarez yeah <sighs> he looked good didn't he yes, Alvarez he I have to say yeah um, yeah it was weird that I, never, I didn't really ever see them playing together because I thought there's too many creative players in, in City's kind of attacking front trident anyway so surely there couldn't be a time where both of them on the pitch but yeah no they're looking really good, really in tandem, and we, we rarely see that in football anymore, the big man, little man. Let's be honest, since the start of the league, when the, when the Premier League started, the big man, little man was always the way forward. You look it at was, mate. The great sides, you've got a big man and a little man. Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. Maybe I, must, 
I must that's say, just... Diego Costa and Hazard. That was a, that was a great time. Ooh, that was probably the last real kind of quali- no unqualified success in terms of the big man, little man. I, I can't speak about Diego around you though because he. He was I'm going to get triggered mate yeah, I, might have to, I might just have to go straight to a break if you say then again to be honest <laughs> I'll stop then we need to get through these games but, um, but absolutely brilliant from, from, from Ireland honestly um, yeah, and I think right. Alvarez though I, I saw him in the Copa Libertadores he, he scored six goals in the final I believe it was oh wow so you've which, actually seen him prior to City as well yeah I mean it was stupid this was after City had already put the pre-agreement in place so I started looking out because one day I thought mm. maybe one day I'll get invited onto a very successful international podcast but uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows um, but, um, but from, from that point of view the big man little man he, he is brilliant he, he is a little Sergio Aguero if I, if I have to say another that second goal it was uncanny wasn't it, it was. hit that with aplomb and I did put in my notes you know maybe letting Sterling and Jesus go is making a little bit more sense with this maybe, guy coming in maybe but can I also say Foden Foden is, is developing nicely this season he's getting a few assists especially with the big man up front and he, he looks like dare I say it he's getting a bit silver-esque in his way of playing funny you should say that on The Athletic the other day by us plug um, <laughs> there was an article saying the David Silver silverfication of Phil Foden silverfication um, I and like that, you're absolutely right you know the way he plays that left foot kind of even like the posture you can tell he's learned a lot from David Silva and playing yeah. with him um, but yeah what a player he's turning out to be absolutely um, but do you know what I, I, I dare I say I think you guys are going to be talking about Harlan Silva Silva Foden <laughs> same person <laughs> same person uh, Harlan Foden, Foden and uh, Alvarez quite a lot over the next couple of weeks so maybe we should yeah. move on to Nottingham Forest because you know yeah, they, good they, they did lose the game but <laughs> there's some some sort of Stranger Things moment that I wanted to talk to you with after coming on this show <laughs> what, what is going on? mate we, tro- we touched on it last week and since last week but maybe like three days ago They've bought like four more players. <laughs> I think they've got they've they've got the record for the most players in one transfer window. It's crazy. I, I just it's like over 150 mil. Now, I just don't know. I don't know what the strategy is. Steve Cooper apparently backs his transfer strategy. The manager, <laughs> he apparently is completely on board with it. But imagine trying to implement your coaching methods to a group of like widely completely different players from all around the globe. Mm. And just like, yeah, you've got like less than, you know, in some cases you've got two days before they've got to play a whole season. It's just, it's crazy, mate. It's absolutely crazy. And I don't see the logic. I've got to say, what, what I really loved was around about midway through the transfer window, there was, you know, we listened to a lot of the comments and uh, a lot of the, uh, the other big footballing heads' opinions on this. And they, they were all saying, well, you know, buying 11 players, we. We're seeing Forest lose a lot of players who they loaned in after they come up from the championship. True. We're Jed seeing Spence, them, for example. Judge Spence, for example. We're mm. seeing them uh, lose some other key players. Um, and then that was about when they brought in about 11 players. So <laughs> saying, the other people were saying it, it makes sense. It makes sense. But now, I mean, the, the maddest thing I saw yesterday was actually that they were looking to buy Mitchie Bashwai from us and at the time I was thinking please God please buy him <laughs> don't matter if it's uh, you know a whole new 23 man squad that you're buying please buy Batshuayi and it's just crazy. get him off our books but but I don't know I have to reference Fulham here you know Fulham came up a few seasons ago the season they started buying John Michael Seri and yeah. Lisa yeah. you know players that have done very well in their respective areas 
same as Nottingham Forest are doing now, but actually making them gel together for a season where they had to play a way that fit the Premier League and not a way that fit League One and Bundesliga and La Liga and Syria all at the same time. They needed to play a, a yeah. style of football, and it, you know, I really hope for Forest's sake that um, that they don't go that way. Uh, I like Forest. This was my old university town, and we saw a good oh, few it's games. Oh, your stomping ground, wasn't it, mate? It's my old stomping ground, <laughs> you know. But um, but I, I I have to be honest. I, it, spending 150 million and plus all of the loan players that they've bought in on big wages it's, if they go down it's, do it's or die. pretty bad exactly this is what this is what I said to Jack last week I said it's, it's a case of like they've put it all in black you know it's either going to come in quids in or they have really fucked it and if yeah. they go down then they've crippled themselves because they're going to have all these players on, I mean unless they're signing them to like contracts that have a clause in them I doubt 21 players would move with that but it's just not possible is Absolutely. it it's not I doubt so. it and uh, at the same time, you know, I, I saw they've bought about four strikers, three, four strikers, and they've already got that kid, Brennan Johnson, who is, he's a machine. And yeah, he, he looks good, but you've I signed Emmanuel Dennis now, and more you're than going good, for Batshu, are you? Yeah. I mean, Morgan Gibbs White looks exciting, but for the price paid, it's a bit criminal, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, Everton, the fact they turned something nearby the price that the Forest paid down. I think they, they should be having a field day. Oh, Everton? Uh, no, not Everton. Wolves. Wolves. Yeah, yeah, Wolves. No, Wolves uh, pulled a fast one, pulled the pants down there. Mm, but um, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But um, great game from City. Really good. And, yeah. um, you know, as, as we've said in our private chats before, I don't think we could have expected Forrest to take much away from that. But at the same time, you know, it does make you get a bit twitchy when seeing all of that money on the field. Yeah, yeah, they need to get a, just a couple of points on the board, a couple of wins, and then everything will be looking rosier and making more sense about that net spend. But until then, we're gonna we're gonna reflect on it, and we're certainly gonna comment on it. But anyway, away from Forest and their absolute cash cow of a transfer window, let's move on <laughs> to a team close to my heart, Arsenal, Aston Villa. Now, I probably would have put Liverpool up top if Jack was with me, but since Jack's not here, we can move away from Liverpool buyers for one week. Um, five wins out of five. Mm, doesn't very hasn't impressive. happened in a long time has it it hasn't and when you bought Jesus I was absolutely gutted my friends because I saw I bet working. because you need a striker just like him you he's know. brilliant we, we were both in the same place absolutely brilliant I never anticipated him leaving City that he would be quite as good as the system that you've got going mm. um, but a really interesting Nicola Arteta doing uh, doing bits over there he, he mentioned when I remember when we sold you William and uh, <laughs> I was just I don't want to bring it up I'm sorry mate but uh, I remember when we sold oh. you William and, and William was really struggling because um, Nicola Tessa was saying to your players oh, we have to play a system where everyone knows where everyone is and that is very structured without too much free flow but I mean look at them now I'm pretty sure you see quite a lot of free flowing football going on there and uh, William I'm sorry mate you're at Fulham now um, we loved you but actually we, we really picked the right time to sell you because you were incorrect Arsenal was they're playing some good stuff yeah I mean thank you for shoehorning William in and his spell at Arsenal I now <laughs> feel very sad um, but maybe you know it was the catalyst for us to actually get to this point that transfer window you know that was a horrible season yeah. <laughs> that was an awful season um, so yeah you know we compare that even just from then till now it's not that long ago 
I think where you know where we are now in terms of even just how we're feeling about the squad. Like I know every Arsenal fan was really pissed off yesterday. We didn't get Douglas Louise, but mm. um, regardless of that, five games, five wins. Like Gabriel Jesus looking like you know the second coming of Christ in terms of how fit, how effective he is. Sorry. How many um, Gabriels have you got now? How many angels? Just the three. Just, just three. three. Just three. <laughs> Martinelli as well with the goal. And Martinelli, I've heard very, very good things um, from my sources in the club. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of David Ornstein with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Martinelli, left foot, right foot, keep the ball, you know, tenacious in the tackle. He's got everything. He could be he a world beater and we really need to get him signed down to another long-term contract. But him and Saka on the wings, you know, can't ask for more. It's 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 just so nice, honestly, mate. Being an yeah. Arsenal fan at the moment, Imagine. it's just, it's, it's like we finally hit that, that sweet spot where everything just seems to be clicking. Even the Arsenal fan TV must be looking quite nice at the moment. You know what, well, I don't touch that stuff, but maybe I'll give it a, a watch and maybe it'll be nice. I'm sure there'll be something for them to complain about still. I'm sure, I'm sure. But uh, speaking of though, you, you spoke about the wingers, and I know you've covered him a bit in the show, but oh, that Norwegian in the middle, Marty oh, Odegaard. Marty, 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 Marty. Mate, he stepped up another gear this season. Mm. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the, the captaincy. Probably, to be honest, he was picking it up towards the end of last season anyway. He's just a real leader, do you know what I mean? It's crazy that you would look to him um, you know, for for encouragement on the pitch, but he's there, mate, and he's he's just making everything tick. Um, he had he had a quieter game against Villa, let's be fair, but he's always the kind of the, the chief creator of that yeah. Arsenal attack, and more often than not, he'll play the right pass. Um, the difficulty I'm seeing though is, you know, you look at the uh, the player himself and his history, his his pedigree, um, <laughs> uh, and. You know, Real Madrid got him when every other club was looking at him. Arsenal, you guys, you guys took a punt. I mean, I have to be honest. The sign, the the season you loaned him from from uh, Real Madrid, it wasn't like he set the world on fire. He was. He didn't. He, he was still he, good enough, though. There was flashes of brilliance. You know flashes, what I mean? yeah. And now he looks like he's an absolute coup for you guys. Massively, because uh, he's still only twenty two. It feels like he's been around <laughs> for forever. But don't, but don't let's not forget he's only twenty two. Imagine just him and Mason playing in the same squad. Oh. oh, yeah, because Mason would be on that left-hand side, Marty would be on that right-hand side. Oh. You can only wish, mate, the days of you buying our best players are long fucking gone. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. It's not happening. But, um, you know, talking about Arsenal, though, you know, I, I've been the first time on the pod, and I know you've spoken about Arsenal in very good terms before, but after this game, five wins in five, where do you see yourself this season? Top four? Top two? So I said, well, I don't know if I did, but privately, coming up, looking at the fixtures, we should be at this point, really. Because if you look at our run from, I think it's like early November, we've just got top six after top six. Like that's mm-hmm. when all the chickens come home to roost. And that'll be the real kind of litmus test in terms of how we're going to do this season. But I mean, as long as we accrue as many points as possible, obviously we've got a 100% record so far, you know, we should be not confident, man. We, we do suck against the top six. I don't know why. Like, Man United is the next game. And I think that's going to be a really interesting game to see where both sides are at. If they beat us, it's going to be same old Arsenal. If we if we beat them, it's a step forward. And that's when I think top top four should be the minimum. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like Top four should be the minimum because of how much money we've spent in the last two seasons. Like This is Arteta's team mm. now. And I Absolutely. Think it's got to, he's got to make that jump now. You know what I mean? The one player that seems to be losing out at the moment is uh, your new player, Vieira. <sighs> I haven't seen him. Really disappointing, that, isn't it? Um, 
it is a bit concerning because I feel like Saka could do with a rest. You know, mm. um, I assume Vieira is going to cover hit the right wing primarily this season due to just not getting anyone to cover Saka. But yeah, haven't seen enough of him. So I've seen some um, clips from the under twenty threes, and he looks he looks tidy enough. He does. I, I would have thought a few cameos though, just little sub sub appearances here and there, just to keep yeah. him uh, keep the legs fresh, get himself uh, get involved in the squad. But um, he looks a bit slight. I will mm. say that he looks a bit lightweight at the moment. And get in the gym, kind of thing. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe he's going to take a bit more introductory time than say someone who's just fighting ready. Do you know what I mean? So. Oh well, you know, you might, you might have to get him on the roids. The rest of the squad seems to be on because <laughs> you guys are outperforming all expectations this season. And, yeah. and I got to be honest. I, long may it continue. I mean, if Chelsea's uh, taking a bit of a buckling at the moment, and maybe this season is a season of transition, much rather you than the Spurs. Oh, that's the one thing, maybe the one thing that Chelsea and Arsenal fans have in common is they fucking hate Spurs more. Um, <laughs> Are you allowed to swear on this pod? I didn't know this. Uh, I'm I would have been to. all over that. Like I'm allowed a, to. Like I might just about. censor you, to be honest, but yeah. No, no, no of course you can. Until the sponsors uh, <laughs> come in, mate, it's not a problem. <laughs> hashtag athletic, get on it. Yeah, yeah hashtag please. Please. Um, so yeah, awesome, I mean, awesome week sorry, for you guys. Awesome yeah. week. Um, it looks like everything's picking up for you. I'd be interested to see what you do in the January window, if there are any areas you need to strengthen. Maybe, uh, I think that'll become clear. Midfield is still a bit of a concern of party, you know, constantly being crocked. And yeah, um, yeah, I'm a bit concerned about midfield because Zinchenko's out as well. He's over our cover. So yeah, we'll see. But mate, I mean, we've had a great summer window. Don't let the disappointment of deadline day tell you otherwise. I know Arsenal fans on Twitter are especially toxic. <laughs> um, so just ignore them, you know. Keep the positivity up. But let's have a quick word on old Villa. It's just a bit rubbish, you know. Every it week it just seems to be a new problem for them, you know. Am, am I right in saying that since Tyrone Mings got stripped of his captaincy, he just seems to be getting worse and worse? Yeah, well, it always was a weird decision for me because obviously it's going to knock your confidence. Like the fact you've had to come out and publicly talk about it as well. Mm. Gerard's had something to say. So none of that is ideal. Absolutely <laughs> to me, not. it seems stupid on the eve of the Premier League season. But again, what do I know? And do you know what? Villa fans, I, you know, I apologise here because I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. But <laughs> you look at Aston Villa. You look at what they've done and how they've tried to invest in the squads and in the managerial staff for the last season and a bit. You brought in Gerrard. You brought in some very good-looking players. I, I mean, I'm sorry your centre-back got, got put out of action in the first game of the season. Mm. But you brought in some very good-looking players for a, quite a hefty sum. And then you're looking around you and you see Brighton. We're going to talk about Brighton in a bit. Oh, yeah. Brighton are looking top, 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 top. You look at Brentford... Top, 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 top. Look at Leeds, even, who I thought mm-hmm. were, were going to go down this season. And if I'm an Aston Villa fan, I would be saying the investment yeah. doesn't seem to be paying off, whether it's the system that they're playing in. Let's be honest, I don't think Wendy is really fitted for a 4 4 2, strangely <laughs> enough, or even a 4 3 3 that they seem to play and put him on the wing. Um, yeah. Neither does Coutinho. Um, no, they're both desperately out of form. And they really need those players to pick it up. So I'm really trying to see, compared to some very solid-looking systems in Brentford and Brighton, who are playing, paying a lot less money for the players they're bringing in. How really are point. Aston Villa fans feeling at this moment in time? Uh, we haven't got any sort of communication service, guys. But please text me on my home number. Um, <laughs> 
01216245XXX. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be a, a cool girl line, I swear. Um, <laughs> and um, please, uh, no, I, I, it'd be good to see what Aston Villa fans are feeling about because I mean, this they is, can't be this feeling is a really, It's a bad situation, right? Yeah, and that's the problem. I think it's a really good uh, good point that you've made there. Like with Brighton fans, I think they could forgive a loss like that a lot better because they can see the identity and the system they're going for, win or lose, which is all a fan asks for, really. You know, like you can forgive someone losing, but as long as you can see the direction you're going in. The thing with Villa is there's no discernible identity to that team. It's just loads of players lumped in, and Gerard seems to be too rigid tactically to really try and you know make a system that suits his players. It's a shame that he did really well at Rangers. And I know. Everyone gave him Was a that a smokescreen, though? Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, I hey, look at old uh, Giovanni. He's gotten him into the Champions League, which is yeah. to the group stages, which seems to be you know an even bigger achievement, some might say. Yeah, true. Look at their bloody Europa League run last year as well. Mm. You know, bigger than anything Gerald really did. Mm. And would you say Giovanni is a top, top manager? It remains to be seen, my friend. I mean, I wouldn't have put him in that bracket. But, yeah, he's, he's achieved more than Gerard, And, you know, I, I do think Gerard's a bit protected by the media. I said that last week. I think mm. due to who he is and his reputation. I, if it, remember Bob Bradley? Or even Jesse Marsh. I used this example last yeah. week. If it was an American fella, he'd be gone. He'd be crucified for what's gone. going on. He'd be gone. There'd be a uh, back page of the sun. Big American flags all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Like soccer ball gone wrong. Or, you know, <laughs> Uncle Sam. So, some sort of image with him on a on a ball with a cowboy hat getting chucked. Yeah, off the ball. you know what I mean. Like yeah, Stevie's yeah. being protected by his reputation at the moment, and it's only going to last so long. And as you say as well, uh, the league is looking so competitive. There's so many good teams with good systems and good managers, and it's like you can't get away with just kind of lumpy, turgid football anymore. You know. Today, I honestly couldn't tell you who I think is going to go down. No, I, I it's a free for all. Apart honestly. from Bournemouth. Apart from Bournemouth. <laughs> Bournemouth is the one certainty that is yeah. definitely going down. But, but we yeah, will touch on Bournemouth, I'm sure, a bit later. Yeah, unfortunately so. I'm sure Bournemouth fans are aching to hear that. But before we get on to the next one, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we will be covering the rest of the games. Back from the back seat, we are still running through the games, and up next we've got Liverpool and Newcastle. So, did you watch this one, Wes? I watched part of it. Yes, I, I was watching through. Um, it was uh, I, I actually I love these midweek games because you have so many games to choose from. So, it's just too much choice, isn't it? So much choice. But um, I, I scratched the surface of Liverpool Newcastle. I came in around sixty minutes time when actually um, I, that's when Liverpool started turning on the heat. But um, I saw some of the highlights as well. It looks like Newcastle were really all over them for the first 60 minutes or so. So this is actually why I asked, because I watched like the first half. So hopefully together we oh, can perfect. just about combine enough coverage. <laughs> um, because, yeah, after that first half, I was super surprised to see Liverpool get a 2-1. They really didn't look at the races and Isaac had, had pulled their pants down. He did. He did. I did hear, though, um, on Match of the Day, of course, shout out, Gary, um, <laughs> they were saying that Isaac hasn't, actually hasn't had too much training since uh, since his move. So he did look a little bit sluggish, but my God, has he got a right foot on him. Goodness me. 
The way he just plopped that past Allison like nothing. Oh, the, both of those finishes were lovely. I mean, the first legitimate goal, I loved it. I mm. loved to see it. And they look really scary now, Newcastle. Every yeah. every week, they're, they're really, really looking scary now. You really did wonder when they were going to start spending that money that they got from the Saudi Kings. And um, <laughs> No, but impressive signing. Really fits their system. I was looking at him when uh, Chelsea needed a striker, which has been for the last couple of years, and um, he, he he looks like a decent player. I've never really pulled the trigger, as I'm sure none of the Chelsea board have, to actually go and make that signing. But um, we'll see. I'm really glad to see him in the Premier League, to see if he can really cut the mustard. He seems like a really good uh, prospect. Yeah, I mean, impact straight away, scoring at Anfield on your debut. You Apparently can't got complain, his... can you? You can't complain. Apparently only got his permit approved like 40 minutes before kickoff or something ridiculous so not a lot of training at all as you say um, um, you know shout out to the Nordic fans because this is a Swedish player Swedish international this is your coming territory into the Premier League um, it, it, it's a very impressive signing the Swedish think a lot of him uh, spoken yeah, to a lot I'm not of surprised. Swedish people around, around this signing and they do think a lot of him they, they see some really good prospects there and uh, the Nordic players in the Premier League are getting a lot of exposure at the moment especially with Brentford but uh, also some of the Swedes that are coming around the place you know you're, you're champing back your, your Larsons uh, and these kind of players who really hit the Premier League by storm um, made the Premier League what it is in the Nordics today so yeah that's a good point could it be another flourishing generation for the Nordics um Seems yeah, I mean, to be, it seems yeah. like it is already, to be honest, with the, all of the great Danish players and seeing Denmark coming up against uh, England in the, the quarterfinals, That's and the semi finals, yeah. even. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. impressive movement, especially in Norway. You see Erling coming in, you've got Odegaard, yeah, Sweden, yeah, yeah. Isaac, you know. Very interesting signings. Newcastle seem to be doing very well. I like what Eddie Howe's done. He's, he's really he's really transformed things over, over there. It's shocking, isn't it? It's, it's all gone too well since Ashley left. I, I would have thought there'd be a couple of years of, you know, taking the piss out of them and, you know, kind of more PSG structured <laughs> at the beginning. But no, they've been really smart about it. They've actually got a plan, which you don't associate with Newcastle. No, they didn't bring in the 30-year-old Neymar for 300 No! Years. So annoying, isn't it? How disappointing <laughs> is that? So, yeah, you have to kind of commend them, even though, you know, you have to do it through gritted teeth. It's, it's a strange one. Mm. Um, but every time know? I watch them, I like them more. Do you know who I really felt has impacted them quite well? And it's a real off-field one. Dan Byrne. Yeah, that Dan big Byrne. monster. That I big liked, monster. liked him at Brighton, really good player. And he's come in as, as an absolute monster for a, for a wing-back or a, a flanker as well. Flanker. Yeah. I, I'm adapting the American language day-to-day, so <laughs> ESPN Sports, uh, you know, CBS, if you want to pick me up, I'm here, I'm available. Um <laughs> But uh, as a uh, as a left back and even as a centre back when he's playing in the back three, he's a he's a very impressive character. And being a being a Geordie, um, I know that it means a lot to him. So so to bring in a player from the region and to bring in a player that is, you know, maybe not what you would think of as your traditional Saudi money signing. It's, it's no, but good. he was a sensible buy in a position that they needed to fill with limited time left. I mean, yeah, you know, he doesn't look out of place and. You know, I think along with Trippier, they've really galvanised that that back line and, and mm. Botman in the summer. So you know we're talking a really good kind of defence, yeah, and they don't look weak in any area, Ralph. 
I think I heard that Newcastle uh, didn't allow Liverpool a shot on target until around the 50th, 60th Mate, minute. They're so solid. They're solid. Um, if we didn't believe that against City, then you know, their performance against Liverpool suggests another step forward. I don't know if you guys have talked about him yet on the pod, but can I just mention Joe Linton going into the oh, midfield role? No, Joe Linton has been mentioned a few times this for is covered transformation. This, yeah, we're a big fan of mm. the... We, we call it Joe Linton's final form which is box-to-box midfielder. He's absolutely <laughs> killing it, isn't he? He's absolutely fantastic killing it. player. Fantastic player. Really good. Really he good doesn't look out of place because he's such a big unit. You wonder, like, maybe he was, meant, he was born to be a midfielder. Maybe. Uh, but actually, I was hearing a lot of shade like, put on Almirion in the last session. I like yeah. Almirion. I think he um, has the potential, <laughs> yet not the consistency, to do really good things at you know certain points of the game. So I, I do, I do really, I do really think he's he's a good player. Um, and as you said, uh, you know, we could look at replacements for these signings. We could look at replacements in the way that Newcastle were uh, set up. But they look like a really balanced squad at the moment who are doing some some quite good things. I completely agree. Completely agree. But that being said, they didn't mm-hmm. win. They, didn't, they win. didn't win. And you know, I think. We are doing this in spite of uh, a fellow host who is a Liverpool <laughs> fan. He would absolutely hate to see us talk about Newcastle first. So let's let's move on to Liverpool because I think so. I think they, so. Before we get uh, an angry text message, <laughs> the boss is calling. Um, <laughs> but they one downside first, and then plenty of upsides. Downside, sure. I do not know what's happened to their midfield. No, me neither. Real concern, isn't it? Real concern. All of a sudden, it looks haggard. It looks tired. And it looks undermanned. Saying, <laughs> saying all of this off the back of a 9-0 win at Bournemouth. But <laughs> oh, it doesn't count. Bournemouth it doesn't don't count. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a dead rubber, that game, isn't it? But you look at them and you think, well, they where has the midfield gone? You know, they, they Fabino is there... You had Naby Keita before he got injured. James Milner has always been the top of the fitness stats on their uh, their fitness training. Yeah, I think we're seeing a little bit of a decline from Jimmy Milner for the first time ever. It's a shame. It's a shame. Mm. But I, I have to say, you know, that's the downside. The positives are that you've got this new transformation going on in Liverpool where these young players are coming yeah. in. Um, firstly, you have to say Harvey Elliott played a, an outstanding game. Outstanding. Um, I just saw him just applying himself in those spaces between the midfield and the defence, picking up the ball in dangerous areas. He's yeah. got very close control, very quick even for yeah, his he's, size. He's a top, top little player, isn't he? He he's seems like it. Really he seems like it. But then, so I must say, I, I had many conversations with Jack about Fabio Carvalho and um, Jack will hate, hate for me to say it, that he was saying, you know, he looks like a good player, but maybe not for right now. I think he's a good player for right now. He, Definitely. He is Definitely. young. He is English. I must say, you know, saying it, <laughs> who would have known? I had someone ask You managed me. to say quotation marks in the word English there. I, that's, somehow, that's well somehow. But I, I've seen, you know, everyone's asking, where's this guy from? Fabio Carvalho, he must be Portuguese. No, he's, he's English. He's going to be slotting right into that England team soon. Um, and he looks like a quality player. Yeah, I mean, goal against Bournemouth was lovely, and this was a huge goal. Sure, it's a bit scrappy, but it still takes some bollocks to fucking hit that into the roof of the net in the 98th minute and send yeah. Anfield going wild. So, you know, uh, from what I understand, and maybe you could back this one up, but Liverpool did come in strong in the second half and maybe did deserve to edge it. But I understand that Newcastle were hanging on by the end of the game. 
yeah, you know what happens when Liverpool pick up speed and pick up sure. pick up aggression. Sure. They uh, they have a very good way of dominating a game with those uh, all of the players they have to be honest, but the front line especially. I have to say that the, my favourite thing is the renaissance of Bobby Firmino. He's coming back. Yeah, dude, I'm so with you on that. Back-to-back goals in Premier League games since 1584. Who fucking knows? <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was lost, now. wasn't he? He was put out. He was uh, mm. he was Jack from Titanic out in the water while the rest of the team. Yeah. But you know yep. what? If you keep on hanging on, maybe uh, you'll be allowed on the board that you're obviously allowed onto and sail to fresh land because he is absolutely back on it he's on it that goal was lovely that was like prime Bobby that goal classic Bobby yeah, <laughs> if he followed it up with an overhead kick he would have been in there <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as well because uh, since Jack was trying to ship him off to Juventus he's been picking up the form so Bobby if you're listening as well you know don't blame Jack he uh, he has some bad bad uh, ideas sometimes but Bobby it's great to see you back to where you were honestly absolutely. we love it absolutely what were we saying about ride or dies and, ride uh, or die he is a ride or die yeah. he didn't bail he could have he bailed this bail. summer but no he's stuck around because he loves he it love to see it love to see it and I know Long we didn't mention Hendo earlier Hendo's also looking uh, fairly top again this season I'm sure he'll come back to his best um, especially with the new beard that he seems to be rocking at the moment yeah him and Milner seem to have gone into this kind of right got to shake the schoolboy image now at the ground <laughs> age of 32 and 37 so yeah, uh, strange. You, know what, you know Liverpool they're going to be up there they will be. be. They're, they're going to be they up there be. with Man City and Brentford at the end of the season. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they are going to be up there, and that's the concern. I think um, we always enjoy a mini crisis at Liverpool at the Man United. You know, any any big team, but mm. it does. You know, had they lost here or drawn here, then maybe there'd be more question marks. But they've just signed Arthur Mello on loan from Juventus. I don't know too much about the lad, I have to say. So, you know, but it's it's good that they're recognising they need to beef up the midfield. So, yeah. You know, you have to assume Liverpool are going to be right up there challenging, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, talking about up there challenging, you know, we've mentioned Brentford, but um, let's move on to the next game. We've got Fulham against Brighton. I think Brighton, although they Good lost game. against Fulham, they will be right up there with the best. Yeah, Brighton. You know, uh, we called ourselves. I don't know if you if you if you heard this one, Wes, but last time in the pod, we actually called ourselves Bloomers. In honour of Tony Bloom, the owner of Brighton, who uh, just can do no wrong. He can do no wrong. You yeah. know? Brighton are operating at maybe one of the best levels in terms of structure at the top and all the way down to the bottom. Even like the manager, man, they, they're just doing everything right. You know, talk to me about this, Wes. What do you think? I think, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, I, I'm really impressed by Brighton. I'm really impressed by also the outsider of, of Danny Welbeck coming back to the play and looking fitter than ever. Um, yeah, I'm impressed by their, their midfield following the, the departure of Yves Basuma, getting Caicedo and putting them right back on the map with, uh, dare I say, an N'Golo Kante style of, of defending. Uh, Second hot take. Second hot take, but he looks very good. When I saw mm. him being picked up for about four or five million from an Ecuadorian team I did think he looks interesting interesting player he was getting into the Ecuadorian international team at the time very interesting player at a very young yeah. age and you I don't know if you've seen that uh, Brighton's also been picking up a few forwards uh, from the uh, Venezuelan Ecuadorian uh, oh. leagues I, I might have got that wrong there you might have to fact check me but I realised that they're picking up a few 20 year olds 
from uh, from some of the South American leagues. I mean, very interesting. You're going to trust any team to do an obscure buy, and it's going to be Brighton, isn't it? Let's be fair. After Dan Ashworth left for Newcastle, good I point. I would have good thought point. There, there's a shift. There's definitely a shift. <laughs> but then when I saw that he sold Cucurella to us for sixty million odd, I was like, they, they've got no problems with transfers. They're they're bang right on top. Um, but no, Brighton, excellent game. Two awesome sides. At Fulham are showing their metal since coming back into the Premier League. Which Amen. Very surprised Absolutely. about. But um, we'll touch on Brighton before moving on to Fulham. They just look like an awesome team. They have done for a few seasons now. Graham Potter deserves a knighthood for what he's doing. Another manager who I said when we were looking at Tuchel, we could do a lot worse than Graham. I'd put Graham, I said it to Jack, you know, Graham's next move is going to be critical. You know, he's going to get that Brendan Rodgers Liverpool move. He's going to get a chance. But I dare say that Graham might be more talented than Rodgers. Possibly. I mean, from what I hear about him, he is very tactically astute. Mm-hmm. But um, also, he's got a very soft approach to him, apparently. So, I, I don't know if you've observed this, but if you look in Brighton's squad, they seem to be picking up a lot of nomads, people who don't really belong, who, who are, you know, Mwepu for, from Leipzig, Kukurea um, uh, when they bought him, uh, quite a few, Kai Shado, quite a few of their players, McAllister, they are nomads uh, or... When I say Pascal nomads, Gross, I, yeah, I definitely no, don't mean people that don't belong, but I mean people <laughs> who are a bit obscure in, in in their their area, you know. And from what I hear, all of these players are very soft spoken, very kind of uh, well, of a mold, are they? Of a mold of of very talented players, but who are not your loud, brash, egotistical monsters that you might see go to U- Manchester United. Yeah, I see. I see. What they you're are. They are your your. Softer, more understated players. Which but is then surely that is just again, you know, a clear sign of a strategy by, you know, the the transfer department or the scouting department who are, you know, even profiling players based on their personality, not just alone their, you know, physical attributes Absolutely. to suit the team. But then that they're light years ahead of some teams. Not naming names, United. Not, no, naming, not names. naming names. But I, I did see. <laughs> uh, I read a great article about Graham Potter from when he was back in, in Sweden. Uh, when he took over the fourth league, fourth division side, Ostersands, took mm-hmm. him up into the first division, took him into the Europa League from the fourth division. Well, that's where and I first saw him against Arsenal. It's it's incredible. But what from what I heard, um, saw the interviews with the players that he was uh, managing at the time, is that his approach with them was to give them a tactical structure to work to. But aside from that, it was to take them and bring their confidence up to a level where they felt like they were championship winning players. They felt like they knew what they were doing from a tactical perspective, but he was the first person to put his arm around them and bring them up to a place where they should be. But through um, through the tactical play, through the right diet, through the right proper football management, the new age of football management, as you call it these mm. days, but also just through uh, the human touch and the human element, which he, he seems to have taken forward to his players at Brighton. He's a top manager, and yeah. I think Brighton, the way they're going, um, I think I put it on my notes. I said, you know, this is their first defeat of the season, but I think that's a credit to how good they've been. Absolutely, be Brighton. Awesome. Absolutely. But Fulham, also, let's move on to Fulham. Before. Yeah, because we have a penchant for talking about the people that lose. So, you know, let's remember <laughs> that Fulham actually won this game. <laughs> they were excellent. Really were. 
They're looking great, aren't they? They're looking really good. Well, what do you think about the uh, the tale of Mitrovic and the uh, prediction of score goals? Goal, was it? I think it's five games, five goals for a promoted team. That's fucking gold dust, mate. Yeah. You know, he, he, he looks nearly, like a monster. He scored more goals than Chelsea did. Their top players <laughs> did last season. <laughs> I think we had uh, Mason Mount was on 11 goals and Mitrovic has got five already this season. I mean, he could be one of the best strikers in the league this year. And it's just all the more baffling because it looks like he's so, he, he looks so like, you know, not out of place like he did before. It makes you wonder how he, how he didn't succeed previously, but he's going to be a big player for Fulham this year. Yeah, I mean, if you scored 43 odd goals the season before in the Championship, a lot of people say you've got the Championship, you've got the Premier League, but if you're scoring 40 odd goals in any league, you're a goal scorer. You know exactly what you're <laughs> yeah. doing between those posts. Yeah. You know yeah, exactly no. what you're doing. You'll you'll bring it home. So, and I, I have to say, big up as well to uh, Anas Pereira, as he is uh, yes. seeming to be uh, quite a little find. Yeah, I always thought he looked like a good, terrific little player, um, but he never he never really kicked on after United. And I thought he went back to Brazil, and I thought that was the door closed, but. Mm. Got the assist. I don't know if you can call it assist when they score an own goal from the cross, but <laughs> I'm going to call it an assist. Um, and he's also been looking like a bright spark. Him and him and Mitrovic seem to have a good understanding, and you know it'd be nice to see him be a key player for the for Fulham this year. Absolutely. I mean, at United, I always thought he was a player with a really bad attitude. That's how yeah. United... But I don't know if that's just his dyed blonde hair making. Uh, think I'm a bit just a... thinking perhaps that's just how United make players. <laughs> it's true, right? So, how many United players have got a new lease of life since they left? You know, I think he could be the next one. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think for Fulham? Uh, where, where I, think, think I think they'll, they'll be safe. I think they'll be safe. Yeah. Mm. Me too. And I, I really like Fulham being in the Premier League and competitive. So, oh, yeah. Who doesn't like a trip to Craven Cottage? Exactly. Exactly. It's got so much charm. So much charm. So, you know, great game between two great clubs. <laughs> Shame about the six pounds a pint. I mean, I do like some of the northern <laughs> clubs. You get to go up there and you have a nice cheap day out. But, uh, uh, you pay for the experience, mate. You pay for the experience in you know, Craven Cottage. It's got it in abundance. Uh, you do. You might even see old Prince Willie over there. <laughs> the Prawn Sandwich Brigade. Here we go again. <laughs> but moving across London, we have West Ham 1, Tottenham 1. Have Good to game. say, as an Arsenal fan, I'm not too upset by that result. I'm pretty happy with that. No, good game. Very good game. So, there's one really kind of controversial point, and I think let's just get straight to it because why the hell not? Penalty or no penalty? What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> I think it went off his head, so I'm going to say no penalty. Yeah, I mean that's the official reason, but then it bounced off his arm like three, four times. So if if you saw it without VAR, you'd say penalty. Yeah, absolutely. Only on reflection, absolutely, because he's got his arm in an unnatural position. You would say it did hit his arm. It's a really, really tough one for for whatever team is on the other side of it. But yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the call. And um, to be honest, it's I'm true. very happy with a one-one. So I might be quite biased in this decision. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not going to lose any sleep over it, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I think also Conte might just be clinging to that because it was a pretty below-par performance from Tottenham. It was. Um, they were being run all over by West Ham at the end. All over. Yeah. I yeah. felt like they had some good periods in the game. Tottenham did control a lot of the game. They are the Conte side. Conte is, you know, he'll be... <laughs> 
he'll be stamping his feet like uh, the angry <laughs> little man he is. You know it all too well, I, don't you, I know it all too oh, I love that man, though. He is, he's a shame <laughs> he's at Tottenham, but he's a great manager. But he, he, he you know, he wouldn't have it if they got completely blown over. If he was in the Chelsea dressing room this week, he would be absolutely marching. But oh, gotcha. yeah. Let's yeah, not yeah. talk about Chelsea anymore. But for Tottenham, great, great <laughs> manager. I do believe they'll do very well this season. But for West Ham, they would they play very well at the end. And um, even Arguably though they should have had it, even though unfortunately their boy Paqueta and uh, Emerson, our boy Emerson, they they didn't quite finish that move that they. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a bit of a weird one, that wasn't it? You have it. No, you have it. No, you, you have, have it. it. Oh, they're so nice to each other. You know, yeah, just two that Brazilian nice comrad- com- comradeship. Yeah, but they. Uh, I think West Ham will do well this season. They they bought well. Um, they've still got Declan Rice, who uh, one day hopefully they'll lose to to our side. Who knows? And mm. um, they seem to have bought sensibly both at the back, but also up front. Um, let's talk about their striker for a second. We talking about Skamaka. Mm-hmm. Bit worrying, isn't it? Bit worrying now. I mean, it's, it, I get it. It's hard to displace Antonio. He's a monster. He has been for the last couple of Antonio seasons. Antonio is like a prem custom built kind of. Oh, it's hard. Do you know what I mean? I really mm. want Antonio leading my line, but he is bloody effective at what he does. He's very good. And I think Skamaka. Early signs don't look great. He doesn't look very <laughs> mobile. <clears throat> kind of looks like the game's passing him by. I just haven't seen enough of his shooting to really judge him. No, no, but. And also, the thing being is, I, I like the fact that they play three behind the striker. They seem mm. to have a really good thing going with uh, Ben Rama, with Four Nails, and whoever else they pick. They've got a Normie good team. Bowen. They've got a good team. Jared Bowen looking much better today. I was a bit worried for West Ham at the beginning of the season because they just looked a bit off it. And I wonder if the Europa League uh, exploits last season kind of maybe worn them down, similar to how Liverpool looked at it run down. But no, they looked really up for it yesterday. And I think they were actually quite unlucky not to, to get the win against Tottenham. It always comes into play, doesn't it, Europa League? It's surprising how many teams don't think that the extra games are going to impact them, but they really do. They really do. Um, but yeah, 1-1. One, one. Equal it. points, we'll take it. I think both sides will probably take it before the game. A shameful carer uh, to get the own goal. He looked pretty yeah. gutted about that. But um, There wasn't a lot you could do, though. It was a certain goal if you hadn't diverted it in. So, But I saw him at PSG few times we played them a few times recently good player good player good fair player. enough I he's mean they need they need a decent centre back don't they so he'll be good he'll be good I think West Ham will be good um, Tottenham it, it's going to be a right old battle between Chelsea Tottenham and Arsenal this season for top what four. I will say and it's not just because I'm an Arsenal fan but I just don't think you can play football like that the whole season and get your aspirations I think they've got to play more expansive football with the players that they've got Tottenham true true they're doing it's pragmatic as shit and they're going to get a lot of points but the way that certain competitors are playing I'm not even going to say Arsenal you know but they don't play the most expansive football out of the out of the top six no no I agree I agree so. I believe that the back three has its limitations yeah yeah, yeah. although you know they had a strong transfer window so I just don't want to. I don't want to lump too much praise on them. Let's just let's just move on quickly. We'll, we'll just move, move on, on quickly. quickly. All right. Well, who's next? We've got uh, Leeds Everton. Mm. So I mean, there's I, the one thing I can say about Leeds and Everton. <laughs> Thank God for Everton. They kept Gordon. 
score. Yeah, it's looking like a great decision that now, isn't it? I must say also, thank God for us, they kept Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you know, let's quickly touch on that before we get into the game. How did you feel about this 60 mil uh, valuation on Gordon and this you know, concrete on Chelsea side? 60 mil, apparently. How much? Quoted. Sorry, how much? 60. Now, I, I know how much it was, but how much? I wouldn't pay six. <laughs> no, I'm j- that, that's a very big overstatement. But when I saw 60 million, even when I saw 45 million, I thought, no, this lad, he scores a few goals in an Everton team that's relying on him. If you pass Ronaldo the ball all the time, he'll score the goals. And he, the, or Gordon at the moment for Everton seems like that guy there. Just, he's getting the ball from left, right and centre. You know, what do they say? If you, uh, you know, if you hit it enough, you'll get your target. Oh, you, do you reckon you that law applies to old Gordon, does it? I, I think he's their main man at the moment. I think that in a bigger squad, he would become very understated. I don't doubt that he's going to be a good player one day, but I don't think he's worth anything near the price that we were supposed to just hasn't shown enough, has he? And from no. what I hear also, Everton were looking to take Armando Borgia or Conor Gallagher as part of the deal. And or, mate. Could have been both. And or, I think, uh, and one thing I didn't mention in the game, I must say about the Chelsea game, as soon as Armando Borgia came on, we were a different unit. He was, he was top, He's top, a proper top, forward, top. isn't he? Proper and forward. I, wouldn't, I would rather him over Gordon any day, I must say. Um, but Fair enough. I will stop talking about Chelsea. <laughs> you know, for all, both teams involved in this game, I think it was uh, it was it was a good game. You know, solid game wasn't too much to shout home about. Um, Gordon played very well. Uh, I think that Leeds will be fine this season. They seem to be doing well, very well with their new signings. Yeah, well, I would agree there. I would agree there. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's kind of three points lost for for Leeds in a way. You look at Everton at home; it's a game you've got to win this season. Mm. Um, but you know. Everton look pretty good. Cody, Tarkovsky, definitely more solid than anything they've had for a, for a long time. Good signings. Good, good signings, signings in defence. Also yeah. their man, Onana. Onana. Sorry, I, can't t- I shouldn't do that joke. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, I mean, he's a, he's a quality player. He's a bit of a baller, isn't he? he you is. know, we all have a 20-year-old Belgian midfielder who's played for the national team. Whack him in, you know. He's an unknown quantity to myself, but he looked good. He looked assured and... Could have scored, actually. It was an interesting game. You know, both teams, they definitely had their chances to get a winner. So I think 1-1 is a fair result here. Definitely. Each team could be too disheartened with that result based on the game. Hot take for you. Do you think any of these teams will go down at the end of the season? Everton or Leeds? Mm. <sighs> I don't think Leeds. I think Leeds Leeds are looking well on their way. Looking like a Bielsa-like kind of system this year that really suits them. So it's kind of evolution, not revolution for them with Jesse Marsh. Yeah, interesting. I, I read a very interesting article about Leeds um, under Bielsa. So they said that um, Bielsa, you know, fantastic manager. None of the players wanted him out of the dressing room. They wanted him to stay. Mm. But the question about him was that the players themselves were just getting tired. Getting was, knackered, mate. It, not just physically, mentally. He was so intense with the details that he wants to bring into every game yeah. that the players themselves they'd spent two seasons with him a lot of the uh, the questions were around can he be a manager that, uh, that takes a team consistently through and for a long period of time given the amount of mm. mental and physical exertion he expects from them and um, 
they say, you know, a few people from, from close to the club said that as soon as Marsh came in, you know, none of the players wanted Bielsa to go, but Marsh was a breath of, fre- breath of fresh air. He was... Um, he's done he, well considering the circumstances, right? He does very well. well. You know, imagine you're really tired. Imagine someone's been whipping your back for mm. a long period of time. And it time. was a gruelling season, that, wasn't it? They then almost you get, went down. You know, you come in next day, you find out, you know, your hero is gone. But do you know what? There's this very happy, chirpy American geezer that's come in and starts... Different you know, kind of energy, isn't it? Giving you some proper positivity, you know, some really happy vibes. You know, you could imagine getting a bit perked up by that. Yeah, I think, in a way, like, Bielsa does have a time limit on how long he could reign, just because, as you said, the style of management, you know, that's not a long, kind of, long-term process, so... Mm. Maybe it was just the right time for all parties to to separate when they did. Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you know, I think it's the right decision now. Definitely. Um, I think there's more question marks on old Frankie at Everton. Um, it's a good result for him. He needs to start picking up some more points. I think DCL when DCL comes back and he can get a tune out of him, if he can get a tune out of him, then. If, if. I still say Everton's probably one of my prime candidates to go down, but you know, it is really hard to call this year. Frank is another one that's protected very heavily by the media. Massively, Got no one friends. wants to say a bad word about Frankie. Luckily, we're not part of the mainstream media, so uh, even being no. a Chelsea fan, I'm gonna say that I, I, I think he did very well with Chelsea the season that he was with us. He bought us a uh, top four place. He brought in young players and brought them through. But I do not think he is an elite manager. Nah, nah. I also just don't think he's the kind of manager Everton need right now but then also Everton have had such a horrific time that now that he's there they've just got a back in the season mm. provided that you know they're not in the same situation as last year where they could really go down yeah, funny old position for Everton actually you look at you know, two three seasons ago I think more two seasons ago you heard they were building their new stadium Moshri was taking them through it looked like they were on the up and now something seems to have poisoned the air around the club yeah they're just was it James Rodriguez? Was it the, you know, £300,000? What, the James Rodriguez? I mean, yeah, it all went downhill when Ancelotti left the project, didn't it? Mm. It's been a spiral since then. Um, yeah, I mean, James looked really good for them. Do you know what I mean? It was a really weird season, that, when he left, because as soon as Ancelotti left, James didn't play, and mm. suddenly the team looked really shit. I've never seen a team go from, like, top ten contenders to just looking really turgid in the space of, like, two years, but... That's what's happened to Everton. Yeah, relying on a, a twenty-year-old prospect up front it's, to take a twenty-one-year-old prospect to take them through to the, uh, you know, to save them from relegation. You're thinking they should be much higher up the table. You'd like to think so, but you know, they're just looking a bit average. Dare I say it? But mm. you know, hopefully things pick up for them. I actually like Frankie. You know, it's nice to have him in the Prem. He is—he's yeah, a bit of a legacy for the, for the Premier League. So. Absolutely, but for, um, for Liverpool, uh, for Liverpool, for Le- <laughs> Liverpool, Leicester, which, which what's the other club beginning with an L? Leeds. For Leeds, um, nice showing from Sinistero as well. Uh, he got his goal, first goal of the season. So yeah, that was well done. What did you think of that goal? I really like that one. Just yeah. caught Pickford completely out, didn't he? He seems like a very skillful player. Uh, yeah. I saw a few videos of him from his time at PSV. Um, looked like a good player. Very quick, he knows where the goal is. He, he positions himself well. So uh, interesting to see what he does with Aronson, who seems like an absolute baller. He purchase, yeah, yeah, loving Aronson. To be honest, I think he epitomises what Jesse Marsh is trying to do there. 
So yeah, I think Leeds fans should be excited this season. That's for sure. That Absolutely. is for sure. Should we? Should we do yes. one more game? One more game, and then we'll go to a final break. No, no nil nils. <laughs> we'll do one more game, and then one more break. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, guys, we could definitely skip these last two games, but oh, for 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 democratic sake, we're just we're just going to bang through them. But last game of this one, Palace won, Brentford won. Um, a strange game for me. I don't think Brentford turned it on until they scored in like the 88th minute and they could no. have won 3-1. So I just, I don't know what that says at all. It's so hard to have a takeaway from this one. But let's start with Zaha's goal. Top yeah. bins. Bang, Top bang. Bins. The guy's yeah. underrated, man. I heard Chelsea was after him. Arsenal have obviously been after him for a number of years. I mean, he'd improve yeah. both our teams, right? I, I don't think, I think realistically Chelsea probably wasn't after him, but good link. Oh, I feel Zaha. like he would be a great signing for you lot but he would, he would be but Zaha he, he recently came out and he said I think he, he's grown in his maturity over the time that he's been there um, over the time that they forced him to stay there but he, <laughs> he, he, he now has come out and said you know Crystal Palace is like a family to me I don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon yeah and it's who, becoming harder and harder to see for sure who would blame him with the, the current state of the squad they seem to be moving good places uh, Vieira's taken yeah. over and he's doing really good things over there I think if they had Conor Gallagher this season they would do even better with Eze in there as yeah, well but, completely um, agree there Eze quality player I say yeah Eze's looking naughty um, and that Olise fella looking really good as well I mean mm. they're attacking midfield I'd say it's up there with some of the best in terms of dynamic players and absolutely and and dare I say I think they were even wasteful in that game I think they could have done Massively. a lot better with what they uh, what they had yeah. and that's a very strange thing to say when you think about Crystal Palace you think of a team that would be happy to get the 1-0 yeah and they should have put the game to bed before the chance before Brentford had a chance to get back into it yeah um, yeah and I think that's got to be a key I think it's definitely two points wasted for, for Palace and as much as we've praised them you know, they haven't ground out the results that they probably could have got yeah. they, they, they've, they've probably thrown away quite a few points from winning positions already this, this year so you know we've got a caveat it. but Vieira's doing a great job love Paisy absolutely, absolutely brilliant Thomas Frank's doing a great job I think yeah, you know, with their new boy Dan Scott he's going to be a, a really good player as well he, he yeah. scored against England that free kick I was about to say do you remember he was tearing mm-hmm. up in the Euros mm-hmm. last year wasn't he So great great player they've already got a really good strong contingent there um, the one thing I, I can't always get out of my head is, is Ivan Tony. the whole uh, fuck Brentford <laughs> uh, I, you know when I see him score goals and I see him like doing really good things I still see that video in my head where he, he cussed out Brentford's bad but, um, how has he come out of that and still got credit in the bank you know, he's like the, the, the Teflon Don. Nothing sticks to him. Um, you know, he he saw his chance. He saw his chance. He's probably married, but he saw his chance, and he he yeah. just he just had to, he said what he thought he would say. Our, our boy's um, down bad. He's down bad. <laughs> yeah, the other one was when he was in his car, right? And they asked him who he played. <laughs> yeah, like, man. No one interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, think, I love maybe, his honesty. I love his honesty. Maybe, maybe he was taking that position because he wanted to keep his privacy. I don't know. I don't know, it just yeah. looks bad. It looks really bad. But uh, God bless the man. I really hoped he would come to Chelsea at the end of the transfer window when we yeah. went to him. I thought he's a top quality striker and he'll bang some goals this season. Great. This is a bit of a hot take, but could we see Tony going for World Cup places this year? Ah, it's hard. Abraham's killing it over at Roma. This is the thing. This is the thing. And I know you covered this last week, but um, Tammy, Tammy's the boy. And... Uh, but Ivan, Ivan would add an extra layer. He plays very similar fashion to Wilson, a bit more physical, I would say. 
and if Wilson was a you know a shoe in to get in the squad, I think Tony should be a good replacement. I completely agree with that one. I completely agree. If Wilson's in contention, then you can't rule out Tony. But I think you know the next however long we've got until the World Cup break is going to be key. It's really mm. exciting, isn't it? And if anyone wants to sponsor our tickets to Qatar, this is true. This is true. Athletic, I know you're still listening. If you want to send us free from the back seat over to Qatar, we will definitely cover that one for you. You know, we'll even do it for Talk Sport. I would absolutely love to get face to face with Simon Jordan and give him a piece of my mind. Uh, oh, I'd um, love to mediate that one. Yeah, Graham Senior, Simon and Jordan, and Joe Doherty, right in the place. Um, we're vying for their position, mate. We're gonna we're gonna convert convert Talk Sport viewers over to it. Don't you worry about that. Whilst we uh, wait for them to send their emails into us, should we take a quick power? Take a let's, quick face. Let's let's take five. Let's take five. And we are back for the final bit of from the back seat. We've got a couple more games, and then we will be running through just a kind of review of the transfer now the deadline's passed. So. What have we got next, Joe? We have got... Next up, I believe we have uh, the game of the season, Leicester against Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, Man U fans, if you're expecting more coverage, then no. This game was was not nice to watch, to be honest with you. I could have done far more entertaining things with my Thursday yesterday. No offence to either team, but... um, you know, biggest takeaway is United grind out another win, which is all this game was about, really. And um, Sancho seems to be finally picking up some goals. I mean, I, I, yes. I really, really dislike it when people say, "Ah, uh, but Jaden Sancho, he's gone to United and he's shit now." Absolutely not. He's not true. Absolutely not. True. not. He's he's a fantastic player. He he's a fantastic, be a fantastic player. player. Yeah, exactly. And I think he, Eric Ten Hag might be the guy to get the best out of him again I don't think Oli really knew what to do with him um, I don't think Oli really knew what to do full stop so um, yeah I mean good result for United it does you know I do think they played Leicester at a convenient time where Leicester are in way more free fall at the moment maybe even more problems than United yeah I mean even even we beat them so that's uh, something to say <laughs> no um, they, they don't seem to be doing too well they don't seem to be progressing very well when it comes to the, the transfer window which they didn't at all, really. Uh, I don't know what happened because I've always really respected the Leicester owners and their their ability to bring the club from from strength to strength. Mm. But um, I mean, it's 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 looking pretty bad for them, and you know they've lost Wesley Fofana now, and you know looking looking at their backline, Johnny Evans and uh, Vestergaard. It's all looking a bit tired. It's looking a little bit shaky. I like James Justin, always have. Yeah. And uh, Constanya, good player, you know, but they've got a good squad. They've lost There's it. As soon as Kasper left, maybe the writing was on the wall. Yeah, that was an odd one. That and Jamie Vardy signing a two-year contract seems a bit bizarre to me. Mm. Yeah, he looks a bit past it. He so. does, but um, but I think I hope Leicester will be okay. They are, they are not looking too good at the moment. Um, there must be something going but, on behind closed doors. But I like them. I like the management. I like the story. Uh, I've Brendan Rogers, you know, is without a doubt a good manager. So mm. let's see. Can he be tasked with the rebuild though? I think this is the concern. He needs some help from above, and it doesn't seem to be it. But let's be fair. Le- Leicester fans in the last what six seven years, Premier League winners, mm. FA Cup winners, Champions League quarter finalists, Europa League semi finalists. I'm pretty sure. 
uh, FA Cup winners. If I've, I haven't said that already, might have said that already. They, they did Shield. beat us in the FA Cup, didn't they? Yeah, so, you know, fuck as a Leicester fan, you can't really Leicester. ask for more. <laughs> you know, are they really having a bad time, or is it just, you know, they were wildly ambitious before, and now this is kind of uh, returning to the norm? It's hard when you lose your it. captain. Yeah, Casper was, you know, representative of that era as well. So yeah. Very difficult, yeah. very difficult. difficult. But, um, yeah, pretty, pretty boring game. But um, also, I mean, I don't think any of the fans from Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, West Ham uh, or anyone uh, in the top 10, Brighton, will be happy to see Man United back on their game. Um, no, bloody annoying actually. I enjoyed their crisis the most at the, the beginning. The breadth of the game the was just fantastic. It was just fantastic. It was the thing is, Joe, the main difference from that is just one man not being in the team. And I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you one guess about which player I'm referring to that hasn't played since Brentford. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! This guy. This guy. Mm. He's been found out. No one was brave enough to drop him before. And now they've dropped him, put Veranda Martinez at the back. What, two clean sheets on the bounce? Are you mad? Yeah. You could say that. You could say that. Or we could talk about Eric Ten Hag and him settling into his job. Maybe... The, the jokes about him uh, winning matches against Hercules and not finding that it's the same when you're, you're playing against Brentford. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a point. <laughs> it, it, you know, but maybe they're, they're unfound. And actually, he's a very good manager who's now settled into his squad and is applying some of the, uh, the good frameworks that he applied at Ajax when they were world beaters. Um, I can't like, confess to say that I've seen what Ajax were other than that Champions League run. But would you say that what we are seeing from United is similar? Or can you see the idea that Ten Hag is trying to implement? Or is he being more pragmatic and just getting the results for time? He's getting the results. He is getting the results. He, uh, you can see some more organisation there after the first couple of weeks. You can see some of the application. I might also say you can see some more fitness. I believe that he was uh, very disappointed with the fitness levels of the squad. Most of them looked like they couldn't be asked, to be honest. Which is Did never you hear... Uh, um, did you hear what his punishment was for the players after yeah. the Olympic game? Yes, very good. So he joined them. Did he? That's very that, interesting. That's big balls man management. That because imagine if you're coach, a player yeah. and you you know you'd be so embarrassed anyway, and then to top it off, your manager's making you run the distance that Brentford ran. But not only that, he's going to join you because I think that's quite smart in a way because mm. it shows that the togetherness is like I'm with you. This is my fault too. But also as an employer, I'd be embarrassed as a football player for that manager, and I think ultimately that would make you show a bit more fight which they've definitely done since that result against Brentford yeah yeah as a team as a teammate though I, I didn't hear about that by the way and um, that's a that's a top move by Ten Hag I believe I think that's big big brain management that. it's a top move because it's a punishment but it's also it's also him showing that he's one with the team and that, yeah. that whatever they go through, he has to go through as well. Maybe even more with the press and everyone else involved. Yeah, so. that's really good point. The psychological aspect of, you know, because I think up until now, the players probably thought, well, it's always us getting the blame. Like, it is a bit toxic, that dressing room. We know this about United. Um, so maybe this is a way of kind of unlocking it a little bit. So, yeah. Maybe. Interesting, isn't it? But should we... Uh should we stop praising United for a second just because it, it kind of... Uh, yeah, I feel a bit sick, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of... I, you know, but let's talk about, very quickly, about Bournemouth uh, against Wolves. Um, oh, do we have to? We, we Bournemouth couldn't break down 
the Wolves attack and defence, sorry. Uh, and it seems like whatever Liverpool can do, Wolves can't do better. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a, it was a strange match. It wasn't exactly the most interesting of matches. Um, one talking no. point though that I did want to bring into the pod would be the um, the establishment of their new number twenty seven, Matthias Nunes. He mm. uh, he Talk was a to top top player at Sporting. I believe Pep Guardiola quoted. Um, couple of years ago maybe a bit less oh, yeah because i think they played last year in the they Champions did League. You're right, and uh, pep said uh, that he believes that mateus nunes is one of the best in the world at his position being a that's a big praise from pep big big praise it's very technical midfielder quite lanky uh very he seems to have a good shot on him he seems to know where his position is he seems to he, he and wolves are playing in a very interesting position in their formation they've got at the moment um mm. sort of like a, a on the back, on the mid three, uh, as a centre mid, on the right centre mid area, but kind of ranging and going a bit wider, moving through the lines. It seems like he's a, he's been given a very intelligent position to adapt to, and he seems to be adapting quite well to it. I don't know if you saw him hit the uh, hit the crossbar in the game. He's got a mean shot on him, doesn't he? He's got a mean shot. He rifles uh, it. His first game, he, he nearly scored a header, shows him, showing his kind of diversity in the way that he attacks. Uh, he gets gets on the uh, on the back post. He he finds himself in pretty random positions sometimes. I've also seen them uh, when they played Spurs. He was rotating from left centre mid to right centre. He was really good against Spurs. Actually, he was very good. He was a very industrious little player. And I think once he acclimatizes a bit more to the pace of the Premier League, he looks physically. He looks all right. You know, he, he looks does. stocky. He I does. think he can handle himself. To be honest, so. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're thinking like for like, because they sold Morgan Gibbs-White for a very similar price, then they've got a great end of the deal there, haven't they? Absolutely, unless, you know, it's Portuguese players bought from Sporting. Jorge Mendes, uh, at it again! <laughs> I, I have to ask you the question, though. How long do you think they can keep this strategy going of buying Portuguese players? Surely, if take players like Neves are going to want to move on to bigger things eventually if Wolves don't bring it there. I say this to Jack, I, I get your thoughts on this, mate. Wolves almost seem to be in a microclimate and kind of unaffected by transfer norms because of like they have such a niche transfer strategy, which is essentially they've got Jorge Mendes, mm. um, who must have some like part ownership of the club. I mean, if the official story <laughs> is that he's just very good friends with the owner and the owner just really likes his advice, but there's got to be some give and go with that, hasn't there? This is the Chinese owner, right? The Chinese owner, that's right. Right. You know, nothing no against, agent is nothing that against Chinese owners, but I can imagine that they are they have a lot of money, which we know. Mm-hmm. Jorge Mendes, I'm sure there is some sort of sweetener for him from being from being be very incentive. close to the club. To. Um, but also, I imagine the players are probably given the, the five-star treatment. You know, I, I don't know this yeah. for sure, but I imagine they're given the really good treatment to get them to come there because you're looking at top, top players... Um, I know that both Chelsea and Tottenham bid for Matthias Nunes in the prep transfer window. Maybe not quite enough for, for Sporting to say, yep, yeah, we want to sell him. But um, that's the calibre of clubs that are going in for this player. And No, they've got Champions League players. Like Matthias Nunes, if you got signed by Liverpool or Chelsea or Arsenal or Tottenham, you'd be like, great signing. And you look at Daniel Podence, for example. I mean, these are the, the calibre of the, the players that they're bringing in. Top quality players... But let's talk a bit about Raul Jimenez looking yeah. at his game. Yeah, I mean, 
it's not his fault. He's not looking like the same player since his injury. And, you know, that was an awful injury to have, so you can't really hold it against him. But I do think a lack of backup, which was pretty evident against Bournemouth, bit of a problem for Wolves, unless, you know, their yeah. wide forwards really kind of bring it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Had a, who was the player last season? Was it Chang? Quang. They had Quang. Yeah. I mean, he he's still like there. Is he's he still there? Not playing as much. Not as fancied under Bruno. Um, I guess, yeah, he'll become important as the game goes on. But I just thought Ralph was at 0 to 90. It just seemed a bit unnecessary. It just wasn't working. But I believe, kind of fitting nicely into the, the transfer part of this show. Yeah, I believe they've they've just signed a pretty good striker from Stuttgart, big lanky fella called oh, that's uh, right. was it Kalajic or something like that. Or something. Kalajic, yeah. I think it is. He's like two hundred seventy uh, meters tall. Mate, you need to you need to sort out your Eastern European. <laughs> Kalajic, I'm not sure that's his name. Um, it, it, no, it he's, gives he's a K. Big, that's what I got. He's a big geezer. He's, he is what you would call a big geezer. Big unit. Oh, well, mm. maybe that's what they need. Um, Big man, little man. Who's going to be the little man? Podence, Mr. Mr. Podence, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But That'd I would hate to see Ralph Jimenez go go back into the uh, the background because he's he's a proper striker. He was always he a very nice striker. He is, and he's you know still flashes of brilliance from him. Don't get me wrong, he still looks good, but I just think he needs a bit of help. It's too much pressure on him to get all the goals at the moment because the wide guys aren't creating too much. Um, they almost look a bit defensively set up, Wolves, but I thought they were going to play more expansive football under Bruno I thought that they were going to move away from Nuno so um, yeah interesting I mean I'm trying to make the, the Wolves Bournemouth game as interesting as possible but let's be fair it was a pretty turgid game all around yeah it was it was it was but um, you know I think again if we look at two clubs we've already put our opinion out there about uh, Bournemouth I think Bournemouth unfortunately will probably go down they don't we saw you know Scott Parker come out in the week and this is the, the big talking point in there that Scott Parker's been sacked for coming out and saying that they haven't invested as much as he thought they would and oh um, yeah let's talk about that quickly what do you I think? think I think that <laughs> I, and uh, I, I, I agree with our man Simon Jordan to be honest for, for once um, like I, I think that there, there must have been a conversation between the club and the manager at some point mm. And they, the club, will, will will have said to the manager, "Look, we're trying to run a club here that is sustainable. We haven't got the biggest ground in the world. We haven't got the biggest fan base internationally in the world. Yeah. So you know, we've come up and we will buy a few players, but we don't want to break the bank. And you know, maybe we'll give you a bit more money in January, but you know, you got to deal with what you got to deal with. And you know, we we." We we give give you that, and uh, you know Scott Parker having lost a couple of games, he's saving his own back. Really, he's trying to save his own skin. He's trying mm. to say that you know he's trying to really put it out into the public that this he is not my fact. fault. Yeah, this is not my fault. This is the owner's fault. But if you're working for a club and you're being paid the wages from that club, you and you've been hopefully communicated to that the strategy of the club is this. If you don't want to work for the club under these conditions, leave. Mm, I think that's exactly what happened. But think, he didn't leave. He didn't leave. Well, no, no. I mean, what he, his comments to me did stink of self-preservation. They were time. absolutely self-preservation. He, yeah. he, he's, you know... So I, I, I thought before Bournemouth actually came into the Premier League when they got promoted last season, I thought they could 
seeing Sean, Sean Dyche free, they could have got rid of him and they could have done quite well mm-hmm. and maybe giving themselves a fighting chance of staying in the Premier League by applying uh, a manager su- such as Sean Dyche who's is proven to work on a shoestring budget and keep keep teams in the Premier League. I understand that loyalty is a factor here. They wanted to be loyal to Scott who got them up. But I, I've, I haven't seen enough of him as a manager to say that I'm too impressed. Yeah, I mean, you know, Fulham fans really didn't like Parker towards the end of his, his, his tenure at, um, at Fulham because of the negative football. You can't say Bournemouth, rightly or wrongly, whether it's fair to say, aren't exactly the, the most expansive team and you know they, they look odds on to go down at the moment. But um, yeah, sad end, but inevitable, I think, in hindsight, after the comments made it after Liverpool. Absolutely, sad end, but have respect for your employer. Yeah. If you're... The best clubs are where the owners, the management and the playing staff are all fighting the same fight. And uh, also, I'm sure the playing staff would have wanted more players to come in to support what they've got already. But if your manager is making that perfectly clear near the end of the transfer window, when you're expected to go in playing, gaming, game out, yeah, and knowing it's too that, it's probably, that it's, it? it's probably unlikely that you're going to end up getting any more players in, you know, how does that make the players feel? They feel that we aren't enough. We're probably going to yeah. go down. The Negative mindset. Yeah. Manager doesn't fancy us. Manager doesn't agree with the owner. And then yeah. suddenly you've got it's a club a that's image. in free fall. No, absolutely not. But So right decision, really, based on what he's done and what he said. Right decision. I don't know who will take over. Sean is still in the wings. I probably think Sean is probably looking for a, maybe something a bit more sustainable than Bournemouth. Yeah. But um, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Well, I think we uh, we did pretty well there, considering the game was not the best. Um, so we've got a bit of time, and me and Joe were discussing off-camera, but we're just going to do a little top six review, so the big six. I apologise to any other fan. Um, it's just pure bias. Biasy. Yeah, what can I say? We're just biased, and it's our pod, so we can do this. So we're just going to review, out of ten, quick-fire round of the transfer window for these top six clubs and yeah just rate them so who, who do we count in the top six you though because I currently see uh, controversial Brighton <laughs> Brighton <laughs> Brentford Leeds oh much as it pains me let's do the traditional top six let's mm. just let's so let's do let's start with City City let's get it out of the way I mean 10 you reckon it's a 10 okay what about departures though because they did let no. Sterling and Jesus and Zinchenko go Arguably Absolutely. weakening Absolutely. themselves there. I feel like Haaland himself having nine goals in five matches <laughs> is, is a ten. And then Alvarez <laughs> coming in, playing playing very well. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about last transfer window when they bought in Grealish, I wouldn't give them a ten. But we're sure. talking about this this transfer window. And they even, to boot, bought a Kanji from Dortmund. Just to, it's just quite a left a field few, one, um, that, wasn't it? 17 million euros. For a yeah, centre back of his quality, it's yeah. a very good buy. Very good buy. Um, and they kept Bernardo Silva. And we think about transfer windows, we think about purchases, we think about departures, but also we've got to think about players they've kept. And um, True. Bernardo would have been a real punch to the gut. Well, what, 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 what would you have said? I think recruitment wise, sure, 10. I think Haaland has to make it a 10, and Alvarez is like the icing on the cake. Akanji was kind of like necessary. I wouldn't say he's like the, he's not going to set the league on light, but he's definitely someone to rely upon if Ake's out. So I completely understand that. Mm. I just think letting Zinchenko 
Jesus and Sterling go to maybe we're not direct rivals but we're certainly up there has to, can't go down as a 10 so I'm going to bring down their overall to a to an 8 because I don't necessarily think that those departures have weakened City as much as they've strengthened their rivals alright alright well let's make this a quick fire round and let's move on to Arsenal 10 <laughs> no <laughs> um, I'm going to give Arsenal I think Arsenal deserves some praise but I'm going to give them a 7 because we didn't wow. sell anyone for any kind of fee I know we've got to get out of this system if, if Barcelona can pull our pants down take a Bamiang for 6 months and then sell him for a profit like it's not good enough it's not good enough you know like you have to be judged on all aspects of the window um, so yeah I'm a bit disappointed with the departures and obviously the the lack of midfielder and cover for party um, with our failed Douglas Louise chase yesterday that one sucks a little bit I followed mm. the the updates all day bro all day and then you, you free bids free bids no wouldn't have it. He didn't got a year left in his contract as well. We wouldn't go over twenty five mil. So true. Uh, strange one as well. Bellerin pulling up at Barcelona and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like we could have got a fee for him. Mm. So we're paying them off to terminate their contracts, and it's like this is not the way. <laughs> but again, we're talking about previous transfer windows here. But seven. I, I so let me just counteract that and say that. You, the way that you're playing right now would never be the case if you didn't go through this transfer window where you bought Zinchenko, sure. you bought um, Jesus, uh, who else did you buy? Got Fabio Vieira. The thing yeah. is, Saliba came back on loan, so I can't call him part mm, of the side. True, true, he is true, a big true. part. Um, I think it's just those three, wasn't it? No, there's more. Yeah, but still, I mean, Jesus, I'd say you at least get an eight. Yeah, okay, I'm being a bit self critical. Um, We'll give it an eight. At the end of the day, five we'll games, give it an eight. five wins. We'll give it an eight. Yeah, it's it's a damn who, lot better who, than last year. Who's up next? Liverpool. I see Liverpool for, for Jackie boy on the yeah pod. yeah. Go on then, go on then. Pretty timid for me. I'm gonna give him a six. Hmm. Yeah, quite a timid window. I mean, <laughs> we we would have looked at this a few weeks ago and said Darwin Nunes, you know. Darwin Nunes, absolutely banging player. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> hundred mil how things might be a go. little bit steep. Hundred mil is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's the going rate at the time. Man City had just well, bought up Haaland. You know, maybe we're. Haaland was, was a special one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I still he think was. Nunes is a really good player, and I think the headbutt was player. just a really unfortunate thing. Um, yeah. Maybe, but, maybe we'll leave uh, leave him out of the squad for Crystal Palace next time. You know, just yeah. so him and Anderson don't square up. Yeah, Apparently, no. I heard they had a bit of beef in pre-season as well. So yeah, I read think, that. Yeah. Even makes it even mm. better, doesn't it? Anderson, absolute shithouse, yeah. knew exactly what he was doing. But yeah, and six, I agree with. Six, I, I, Fabio Carvalho coming in, I think, was a very, very good astute signing. purchase. Darwin Nunes, good. But um, yeah, not not too much done over there. Um, and, and what about... Uh, Who's next? Well, who's the next top six? I mean, we have to go for Chelsea next, right? There's, there's so many talking points. Got to hear it from you, mate. Got to hear it from you. So, I've talked about quite a few of their transfers. I've talked about the purchases they've made for young players that I think has to bring them up a few points. Um, I've also talked about the signings that I'm not sure uh, I feel are the the most strategic signings in the world, but I think they are filling holes where we needed them. Sakaria, Abamian. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Koulibaly looks top, Kukurea looks top. The new, the new signings, as we've seen in the season so far, seem to be the best performing signings of all of the, the players on the pitch. So, and with the with the leaning towards youth and the the development that we're putting into, I mean, Neil Bath has done a fantastic job as our youth development coach since head of head of the academy, even since um, since he's been there. Cannot doubt Neil Bath for one second. Mm. I would have, so I'm going to say an eight. I would have said if we had tied down Mason Mount and Reece James under new contracts. Well, apparently in that's transfer, in the pipeline. In, so it's in the pipeline in space. the transfer. Yeah, I hear Tommy, uh, big old big daddy uh, Todd is, is is trying to give him seven year contracts. Oh, uh, there's a bit of American spice in that. Last, I mean, this isn't fucking Major League Baseball here, mate. Um, <laughs> we we we. I mean, let's, you know, it works a bit different over here. You don't buy people out of their contracts. You, if you if you sign someone to a seven-year contract, they're going to be there for fucking seven years. I'll tell you. I bet. Has anyone heard of the name Kepa Rizabalaga? He's, oh, he's wounder. He, he will be there until he starts seeing his kids through school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, eight. I like. I love the leaning towards youth. I you know. I love seeing a 17-goal midfielder who fucking whacks his head into things coming into the team mm. at some point. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's a shame we didn't get over the line, but I also heard that we were sniffing around a midfielder from Russia. Again, Russia's not the most uh, friendly of, of places right now, but yeah, he looked like a quality signing. Shame we didn't get it over the line. His agent was, um, was a big player in that deal. Maybe... It's possible we didn't even put any money on the table for him whatsoever. It might have just been his agent saying that Chelsea's going to buy him, but you know, yeah, it, was, it, this was, it was fun while it lasted. I do think we missed out on our top targets. I don't think that's any of our fault. Jules Kunde and Fina going to Barcelona. Couldn't do a lot what about can, that. What yeah. can you do? Yeah. But actually, I must say, just a word on this. I'm going into Chelsea a bit too much here, but Big Todd, unknown to the football world. Kind of had some negative comments in the press from some from some ex Man United players about how he's trying to play football manager. But if you are unknown to the football world, you're being told that you need to do a big revamp of a football squad. Well, and you 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 know you are acting sporting director, acting owner, acting um, head of recruitment. Look, you, all you, I'll say on that. You know. What did Roman do when he bought the club? He bought a fuck load of players. So is it just yeah. history repeating itself? It's a tried and uh, tested formula. This maybe, but I think the the thing we've got to give Todd credit for is actually making contact and being, you know, creating relationships with people mm. and in the football world. From what I heard, he invited all the chairmen of the Premier League to a nice dinner. He yes. had a ni- he had a nice dinner with the chairman of Barcelona. He started bringing closer super agents. I know that the Mino Raniola's uh, replacement or, or heir to the Raniola throne was watching a Chelsea match the other day with uh, next to Todd Bowley. Um, he, he is getting close to football people. He's getting close connections with people who make a difference. And maybe not now, but maybe in the next one, two, five, ten years, this is, this is the action that's going to make a big, big difference in the way that we run our club. <laughs> okay. Rant, o- rant over eight. Yeah, I mean, 
it all just sounds too rosy for Chelsea. I don't like to think it like that. So I'm going to caveat and then say I also saw him go for dinner with James Corden, who's a cunt. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I, I, I give Chelsea a, a solid eight. I think he came in with a lot to prove. And as you say, a very kind of transitional time for Chelsea. And he he's put his wallet down where it matters. And, you know, he went for some ambitious targets. I don't think Rafinha, Jules Koundé, it's, it's, it was just, you know... Barcelona seems to have to seem to have some weird pull on the top players, but you've covered the places you need to cover. Maybe bar a striker, and yeah, you know. We'll, I, see. we'll see. Well, let's see how we're doing. Uh, come World Cup time. So, uh, All right, well, let's get Spursy. Spursy, oh, you know, like, you know what? I think Spursy annoyingly as well. I've had a really good transfer window. Maybe even a nine for me. No major departures. They've really like beefed up on all the the main spots in their squad. Um, on paper seen, uh, they've got one of the best Levesque. squads yeah, yeah I think they've got one of the best squads on paper so yeah let's see how that turns out it's, it annoys me greatly to say that to be honest yeah I, I'm going to say an 8 because I think some of their players they brought in the previous window Bentaker for example he's looking like a proper little player he always was to be fair but mm. being in their squad he looks like he's adapting well now but um, yeah I'll, I'll say an 8 um and then last but not least, who, who's our last team of the big six? Who do you think, my friend? The big red elephant is back. Manchester United. Now this... Uh, we, had, we had to. This transfer window. It's quite hard to summarise, really. Coming out of it now, where they were two weeks ago, you'd say it's a positive, but I just don't think mm. it has been a positive overall. Um, I think I think it. you have to... In some ways, you can look at the players they bought and the players that have departed, but also you... You must take into account the absolute embarrassment they went through with Frankie Dion. Well, exactly. They've, you know, that's the defining saga of the summer, and they got their pants pulled right down there. Um, <laughs> they didn't even get their pants pulled down by the club. The club were happy to sell. They were no. happy to buy the player. The Frankie player just, just didn't want to go. Literally, Frankie <laughs> just didn't want the move. He didn't want the move. Like, fair play to him. Like, why would you? You know, why would you leave one circus for an even bigger circus? I just don't know. Um, no, but so, um, yeah, based on that, I think you have to give them a six. I mean, they did recover. They've bought Anthony. I'm not sure about him, to be honest, for ninety mil. They've that's bought, a lot of money. It's a lot of cash, mate. That's someone a who lot really, of money. I just don't think he's going to be as effective in the Prem. But you know, he seems like a trickster. I've seen lots of lovely tricks and skills on. I know, on, but uh, you're going to get Ben Mee coming in, <laughs> yeah, flying <laughs> into you. You know, they're, like, they're not going to put up with that for too long compared to the Dutch league. I tell you that. So no. Do you think, I can't think of a single team apart from Bournemouth where maybe you'll get away with a few tricks and skills. Uh, everyone's going to be on you like a, like a tramp on chips, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I, and the thing is that, that that price tag hanging over you and you're you know, one of yeah. Ten Hag's former players, so you've got that pressure to be like, oh, I know a system, there's no excuses. There's a very small margin for error and he already seems like a pretty toxic um, personality from what I've gathered from him so far, so... Mm. Yeah, when he did a he did an interview, didn't he? About he did an interview because he wasn't getting his way about how he wanted to leave. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly. The, that was the pushing. Exactly. So that was the tipping point. I uh, I have some reservations. And Casemiro is he going to save Man U's midfield? He's going to improve it. <sighs> I don't know if he's seven, save seventy it. million euros for three hundred and fifty k a week. Come on, lads. You know, like, this is the wrong profile player if they're serious about a rebuild. And this is why I've got reservations. But every time I bash Man U, they seem to turn it around. So. Let's just give mm. them a six. I'm going to give them a Agreed. six. We'll give them a six. Yeah. And there you go. That's the quick fire round done. That's the game re- review done. And 
Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you today. You know, depending on how we do, like I say, you might get called up to the first team and we may Ooh. just never see Jack again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. Lovely. Oh, it's been a pleasure being here. Um, it'd be nice to go back to my day job knowing that, uh, <laughs> that I made a difference to the football world. Um, but you're a Chelsea but no, Lovely being now. here. Lovely having a chat here with you. Um, if you ever need me for some uh, some in-depth Chelsea knowledge coming back to the pod, I'm, I can I'm see happy. a recurring cast member role coming in very nicely for you. Maybe... Maybe once a month. Let's see, Joe. Let's see what your schedule's saying. We'll, I know we'll you're have busy. To see. Man. see what the audience say. I, um, yeah. I, you know, with all of the uh, the contacts I have in the clubs that I have to get, <laughs> into, you know, I'm, I'm a very busy man. But, um, yeah. but no, lovely being here, Hugh. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm glad to uh, to hopefully fill the boots of the big man. Whilst, uh, oh, whilst I'm sure he'll away. be listening keenly, taking notes. I'm sure of it. But, mate. Uh, I'm sure. I hope you have uh, a lovely evening, and all, to all the listeners, I hope you have a lovely weekend. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. We will be back for a summary of the weekend's games. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. 